Gentlemen, this is Killing the Business Worldwide, and we are on the air. I am your host, the sickest one of them all, Sick Vic. My colleague tonight is the one and only Scotty himself, Scotty. Nick hey, Captain. what's going on, guys? Scotty, Captain Scotty, Captain, uh, whatever. Today, our guest is, he's a, one of the top referees in NWA. He's also held the Ring of Honor championship belt. More, that's more than most referees can say, by the way. He's also done some work with Impact Wrestling. He is referee Jesse Fields. How are you doing today, sir? Hey. Uh, doing good. Uh, fighting through the uh, computer problems today, but it uh, seems like we're here. <laughs> Technology, isn't that great? Oh, yeah. yeah. And Jesse, uh, you and I have something in common. Okay. So when you refereed that Ring of Honor title match, mm-hmm. you you got to hold that belt in your hand, correct? That is correct. Okay. I got to do the same thing. Many years ago, I was a uh, ring crew for Ring of Honor back in its heyday in uh, 2005. Uh, they were coming through Dayton, Ohio, and I, I helped them out every time they came through town. And... Uh, at the end of the show, we were tearing down, and I forget who the champion was at the time. I think it was Brian Danielson, and he left the title belt back in the dressing room, just sitting on a, on a bench. Everybody had left. There was only a handful of guys that were still there, the merchandise guy. I think the Briscoes were there, and that was about it. And I walk back there, and I see it laying. And I picked it up, and it was one of them situations where you could do the right thing or you could do the wrong thing. I could have walked out to my car, and they would have never seen the belt again. But I didn't. <laughs> I did the right thing. I, I carried it to the merchandise guy. I said, hey, this was sitting in the back. And he's like, are you kidding me? They left yeah. it there? I said, yeah, it was just sitting back there. And uh, so, yeah, that's uh, we 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 have that in common. We both held the Ring of Honor title in our hands. Well, the thing that was interesting when we did that, um, I was working at a company called New South in uh, Alabama, yeah, and brought Gresham in because he was the champion at the time, and he was kind of doing the defense on the Indies to keep the. No. Oh, we lost the sound. Oh, no, no. We lost the sound. Jesse, we lost the sound. We can't hear you. We lost the sound. Can you hear me? No, there we go. He's back. Now he's back. (laughs) Okay. See, this is, this is, this is the joys of living where I, where I live is the connection's not that great. Um, (laughs) How much of that did you? Uh, it, it cut out right when you started. Tell us about Jonathan Gresham and how you got him into your promotion. Uh, so I was oh. working. Go ahead. Go ahead. We okay, can still okay. hear you. Uh, well, I was going to say the screen's all froze up. I just, I don't know what's going on. Um, the company that I worked for in Alabama was New South and they decided to bring Gresham in and, uh, which which was which was all fine and good and when i was talking to him he said yeah we're we're doing this under pure title rules and i said well i don't think the fans here know what pure title rules are because it's just one of those things where you kind of had to be an roh fan yet you had to understand like the legacy of that title right so we were trying to think of ways to quickly tell the crowd what the rules are because there's no way i'm going to go out there and start reffing a certain way and then be able to like oh why is he counting to 20 or whatever so i came up with the idea because it was gresham versus adam priest and what i did is i said okay well let's do this let's do like an nwa title match i'll get the belt i'll hold it in the ring we'll do the face-to-face on hard cam and have the ring announcer hold the mic in front of me and i'll just kind of I'll bullshit my way through rules. I as like I just on the spot, like I knew what the rules are. You had three rope breaks. There were certain, you know, key things that you had to know. So I just kind of did it like very presentation like. And there's a couple pictures that look really good of me holding the belt with 
Priest and Gresham, and then the ring announcer's got the, the mic in front of me. And I just thought, you know, that's a really, that's going to look like a really cool image. And then I've got the shot of me holding the belt up. And uh, so that, that was my one Ring of Honor championship experience. It was, uh, you know, it, it, it was cool. Um, at the time, it was actually going to be my last match for a very long time. So it was, uh, it was kind of a good send-off for the time being. And, um, you know, I, I would like to do more ROH title matches, but uh, I, think, uh, I think they got a, a pretty solid crew where they're at right now. How did you get into professional wrestling? Was it something that you always wanted to do when you were a kid or? Uh, not, not really. So the whole wrestling thing kind of came about. Um, I live in Nashville and the time that I, you know, I got into wrestling, say probably 99, 2000, somewhere in that time frame. So when I was living here in Nashville, and I was going to high school, uh, I learned about the weekly TV tapings or pay-per-views of uh, TNA that were at the fairgrounds. And right. uh, I didn't get a chance to go to a lot of them, but they ended up doing the last TNA before they moved to Florida. And so I went to that, you know, it's a great wrestling show. And I was you know, talking to people afterwards, like, oh yeah, you know, you need to come down here on Friday and Saturday nights. You know, there's there's wrestling every you know every weekend. So I was like, "What do you mean?" It's like local pro wrestling. I, I didn't I knew nothing about independent wrestling at the time. So I started going to independent shows. Uh, this was like 2004. And eventually, a con I struck up a conversation with somebody, and you know, I did backyard wrestling with friends. And I thought, you know, maybe I should learn how to actually, you know, try to learn to wrestle. Mind you, I am a sophomore in high school, 15 years old, braces, 125 pounds, maybe. Not pro wrestling material, <laughs> but I, I trained to be a pro wrestler. Awesome again. We got to he he trained to be a pro wrestler. Yep. Yeah. Now he's back. He's back. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, we got everything up to the point where you trained to be a pro wrestler. Okay. So, like I said, I I started training, um, and I trained for about six, like six or eight months. Uh, okay. Like I said. 15 years old, 120 pounds, braces. I don't look like a pro wrestler at all. And I was told that. I was like, you're not a pro wrestler. You, you can be a, a manager, a ring announcer, a referee, something. But you are not a pro wrestler. So, you know, that kind of kind of dejected me a little bit. But I was also like, I'm a teenager. I'm a kid. I got time to grow. And eventually, you know, I kind of would go to shows here and there, try to help out and do whatever. And I ended up going to shows at this wonderful place in Nashville called Stadium Inn. You ask any wrestler that has wrestled Nashville back in the heyday, and they will tell you Stadium Inn stories. And the person running that building was Tony Falk from Paducah, Kentucky. And after going to several shows, you know, talking to him and his son, they knew I had some training. So they said, well, we need somebody to be a referee. Uh, here's a shirt that's like two sizes too big. Go get you some black pants. We'll put you in a match. And that's what they did. Here's a shirt. Don't suck. And I went out there with very little guidance and was able to get through my first pro wrestling match. And Tony said, "Okay, I, I, I think we got. I think we can do something with you here, kid." And eventually, I just kept showing up, and I would referee. And there came a point I was the only referee for a while, and got a lot of matches under my belt. And kind of, I, I caught on to the process very, very quickly. And it just okay. this was the back end of 2006, so. Probably November, December 2006, I started refereeing, and here it is uh, 
the 16th of August, 2023. And I am still somehow uh, putting on stripes. <laughs> Against all odds, I am still somehow doing this. What are some of your most memorable matches? First of all, let's get to your first match that you refereed. Oh. <laughs> it was Maniac Mark Anthony versus Billy Merciless with the ace Nick White as the manager. And I remember that match because Billy White threw a live round and hit Mark in the ear and busted his ear. And it's memorable to me because because where we were dressing, we were down like down two stories in the laundry room. It's like 120 degrees. And I get down there and I'm like, okay, I think I did really good. And here comes Mark throwing things he's pissed off and i'm thinking i screwed something up he's mad at me he goes right to billy grabs him by the throat slaps him slaps him again starts screaming at him looks over at me yeah you did a good kid and then goes and sit down so that that whole <laughs> crazy situation uh that's how i remember it i think my 10th match ever was the USWO championship of Kid Cash versus Tracy Smothers. Oh, wow. I had no clue what I was doing. Told Tracy <laughs> that, and he looked at me and said, Just listen, what I tell you, kid, you'll do fine. You'll do fine. And, you know, I, I did everything Tracy asked me to do. Did the same thing. I did everything Cash wanted me to do. They didn't kill me afterwards, so, I, you know, I think I, I did pretty well. <laughs> uh, so... There goes his audio. Yep, it'll come back. Just give him a second. I feel bad he just keeps on talking. <laughs> okay. 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 So it, last thing we got was uh He didn't kill you. Yeah, yeah he didn't kill he didn't me. Kill you. He didn't kill me. Uh trial by fire. I think that was the big thing. Uh, I survived my trial by fire, and I think everybody in pro wrestling has a trial by fire story. Um, I, I dare you to find somebody that does not have that moment of like, well, there you go. Please don't screw up. In professional wrestling, just like in podcasting, you have to roll with the punches sometimes. Has there ever been an incident that during like you were in the middle of an event where you had to like roll the punches. Oh, <laughs> I have a bunch of those. I have quite a few. Um, either somebody got injured, um, a very important spot got missed or blown, and mm. we had to like improv. Um, I can give you a very recent thing. Um, the the first set of TV tapings that I did with NWA was August of last year, I think. And we're on our second day of TV and it's like my last couple of matches I have to do. Um, I'm wearing an IFB, uh, an earpiece with a, with a battery pack. And during one of my matches, I was getting my times and then all of a sudden I hear nothing. A minute goes by, two minutes go by. I'm like, oh, oh. I don't hear a time cue. I know how much time we're supposed to have. So I start looking to all the cameras to see if maybe somebody's going to give me a hand gesture or something. Now I've got nothing. So I remember what the last call was. I knew how much time we had. So I lean over and I tell the girls, I'm like, my IFB's dead. I don't have times. What well, was the last cue? It was this time. I think we have this much left. Okay. Yeah, and so we we go on, boom, finish the match, I roll out, go right back to the back, and they're waiting for me, and they said, "What happened?" I was like, "My IFB died or something. Either the channel got changed, it got on. I don't know. It didn't come unplugged." Yeah. Well, uh, we could tell because you were looking at all the cameras, seeing, looking for something. I said, "Yeah, I was looking for a cue." We don't have a backup. Well, how did you know where you were on time? It's like, I just have a really good internal clock. 
I've done TV for so many years that I have an internal. It's, it's called experience. You can't and, beat it. Uh, and it was so funny because they said, you, you guys came one minute under. So I was like, I'd rather wow. go under. I'd rather go under than over. Because uh, you can fill time, but if you go over, it's hard to fix it. You're um, right. And then I did another match. It was fine. The last match that I had to do, same thing. Yeah, it's like, uh, <laughs> I, up to the one minute under. Okay, that's great. We gave props. Okay, where'd we stop? <laughs> what the one minute under? You did okay. the one minute under, and then you did another match, and then the match after that sounded like you had another problem. Yeah, uh, about two minutes in. It's gone. I think it was the earpiece itself, like the wire had, had messed up or whatever. Again, I had was given a time cue. I knew how much time we had. So I just kind of, I ballparked it. And they, they said they really appreciated the fact that I was able to maintain my composure, keep control, not let everything go crazy. And I said, Ed, I worked without him for many, many years. So I'm just used to it. Although the last, I would say five or six years, um, I have worked with radios more. I purchased my own. Uh, I travel with my own radio set. So when I go to shows, I have my own. I have eight to 10 radios to share with referees, uh, gorilla, anybody else that needs it. Uh, but it's one of those things like I can work a show without radios. I can, I can get time cues, however, and it just comes from the years of experience. Who was who was feeding you time and information through the earpiece at the NWA shows? Oh, oh, the answer. <laughs> uh, give it a few more seconds. Should be all right. Should be all right. <laughs> I love Comcast's internet <laughs> or Xfinity, whatever, whatever we have out here. So I don't know if you heard my question. Who who was feeding you information through the earpiece? Uh, that uh, so the person who's in charge of that is Bill Barrett's. Oh, okay, okay, yep, yep. And I I've known Bill since 2009. He was coming to Nashville to do TV for NWA main event, which is originally I was an NWA affiliate ref back in the day. So you know I, I have experience with NWA, but. Um, I'd known Barron's for years. And so it was great. You know, I get to work with him anytime I'm at NWA. Now. Yeah. Believe it or not, you're, you're not the only, you're not the worst referee we had on with shitty service. We had one before, and I think Jason knows what I'm talking about. This guy knows what I'm talking about. That was always like shit. his poor service, and he'll kind of like deny it. Like, no, everything's fine. And when it's like, dude, you just sounded like a robot. So it's like, that's yeah. so that's kind of what I'm afraid of is like, I don't know how it's sounding on your end. It's like we're having this conversation in Morse code. It's hey, like it, bits here. It doesn't, here. it doesn't do the robot thing. It just cuts off. You'll be in the middle of a sentence and then silence. That's all it does. Well, you it hear, we hear you out quick. that you're, you're, uh, the video freezes, okay. but we can still hear you for about another thirty seconds to a minute. Then you completely cut off, and we wait a f <laughs> wait like another few seconds, and you come back on. But we've been through it all with this show, so this is something. It's like okay, this is happening again. Okay, yeah, and, and that's what I said. Like you know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't mean to laugh during this hour, but it's just. Dun, dun, dun. This has got to make the highlight reel. There we go. Uh, and we're this, back. This is brutal. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I feel so bad. Um, don't feel bad because of us. You know what? I, I got an idea. 
let me join via my phone. That way you okay. don't have to stop the recording or anything. All right. We're going to see if we can do a little transfer. We'll take a phantom commercial break. Phantom commercial break. There's the Wi-Fi. Recording in progress. Got it. Okay. So we're going to be doing this. All right. Let me turn that. I lost power recording before, and I had to switch over my phone quickly. Oh, we've got we got multi camera angles. Multi camera angles. There we go. You see? <laughs> All right. I'm gonna close out with that one. There. And I feel like this is gonna be a little bit more stable. Yeah. Uh, we're going to quickly jump through the house. <laughs> <laughs> But what I've seen, that's a nice house. I mean, they must pay you pretty well being a referee. Uh, it's it's a house that I lived in 20-something years ago, and the people who own it gave me uh, the opportunity to move back in when I needed a place to stay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so this is this is the wonderful little sanctuary I call home. Don't tell me you're a Packers fan. I am. <laughs> Our condolences to this coming season. Oh, this season's going to be so rough. Oh, they're going to be I, I'm, Personally, I'm happy. Rodgers is out of the picture. I felt like he was going to be more of a headache than an asset. So yeah. let the Jets let the Jets deal with it. Uh, I mean, to be fair, I haven't been big into football in about 10 plus years i'm more of a baseball and a hockey person so yeah. who's, okay. your huh? who's your baseball team uh san francisco i'm a team. san francisco giants fan what about hockey uh split. i am a flyers fan and i'm a predators fan respectful teams all right uh, actually, on my way back from Paradigm, I stopped at an antique place and I found this sweet gem. Oh, wow. Uh, from the late 90s and uh, 20 bucks. <laughs> 20 bucks right there. Fuck it. Oh, dude. I, I, I mean, it's in great condition. No cuts, no tears, nothing. That's nice. All right. Especially oh, 20. yeah. All right, got myself a little stand. There we go. That's right, you refereed in GCW. I forgot to add that in the introduction. Damn it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, uh, you mentioned Impact. I worked with Impact. I went and did some cruise stuff for them. Um, Don't work for Impact. Well, I would say you've done work for them. Yeah, not as a referee. That's the thing. Um, because my friends are like, Oh, you've got to go to these places. I'm like, not as a referee. Uh it's a little bit different. I count places that I work for in terms of I put on a company referee shirt or polo and I referee a match. That's a company that I work for. Humble, aren't humble guy, aren't you? I try to be humble about it. It's kind of it's kind of hard because, like, sometimes I want to brag about things, and then I have to remember that's not a cool thing to do. And we we brag. We hit number one in Algeria. We're like, holy shit, we hit number one in Algeria. And people go like, it's Algeria. What the hell? I don't care. It's number We're one. Number one. Number oh, one in Algeria. One. Algeria, Finland, South Korea, and what's the other one? Costa Rica. Costa Rica, yeah. Okay, and, and so and we hit the hot 100 in the United States. Hey, top 100 definitely a good thing. Um, so in the time that we've been talking, this was the litmus litmus test. Uh, the signal has not gotten all janky and anything, so I think we're good to roll. Yeah, I think we are. I think we sh- I should have just did this from my phone from Jump Street. <laughs> all right, that's all right. I we're we're easy going this show. We're just like we understand technical difficulties happen and. 
we understand that Xfinity sucks. And oh yeah, have you seen the South Park episode when they took a jab at the cable company? Yes. <laughs> I it, you I saw that and I was just like, that's exactly it. That's yeah. Exactly the act like it's like it's that's hey, Jesse, that's uh, what. How did you get your How did you get your start in the NWA? Um. So I got very lucky that a friend of mine, who I have worked with on the independents for, again since like 2009, 2010, uh, he works with NWA and they did their show in Knoxville the night before the tapings or whatever. I think it was a pay-per-view or whatever. And they knew they needed another referee for Nashville. And so like I was literally given like 36 hours notice. Uh, He reaches out saying, hey, can you do this? I was like, yeah, sure, I'll make it happen. Because um, at the time, I was uh, an account manager for a security company. So I made my own hours. So I just made sure that I, I was like, I have to be at the office for a few hours. And then after that, I can be I can go to Skyway. And that was my foot in the door. And it was one of those like, okay, I'm going to go in here. This is a one-off. They're never going to use me after this. Um and I went in there, did my thing, and they said, "Yeah, no, absolutely. We we will. We would love to use you again. We try to stay with three referees. That's their that's their thing. Is they just use three referees at a time. But when somebody can't make it, there's a couple of us that they'll call upon that have either worked for NWA or have the credentials to work for them. And I just happen to be in that." Uh, that conversation so i did that set of tv tapings the next round that they did in nashville they didn't need me and then um about a month or so before july the probably tail end of uh may um jared fritz sends me a message he's like hey i can't make the chicago loop for nwa you want me to see if uh see if they'll reach out to you and i said absolutely about two days later, here's the text message. Here's all the information. I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it, I, it's one of those things. Like, I don't want to divulge a whole lot, um, but it was it was to be treated how I've been treated by NWA. I've never been treated that way in my entire duration as a referee in the wrestling business. Nobody has treated me as well as NWA has. And I mean that from them taking care of me, getting there and all that to the environment of that locker room, the environment of the upper management all the way up to to William Patrick Corgan. That environment is, it is so amazing. Because I do not remember a single, I there, there was a few negative things that happened, but there was not any explosive anger. Nobody was throwing things. Nobody was shouting. It was a positive and constructive environment. And I'm like a high anxiety person. And it, I did not have anxiety working for this company. And I was like, Holy shit, this is how it's supposed to be. This is new to me. I'm used to like freaking out and going like in the negative to pay for my travel to get someplace. And it's like, this was great. It was such a it was such a great experience. And you know, I hate that I'm not doing 75, but that's an athletic commission state. I don't like that. I don't. That like was those. that was going to be my next question. If you were going to be in I, St. Louis, because I'll be there for the pay per view both nights. No, I will not be in St. Louis. As much as I would like to be there, um, just it's not in the cards for me to be there. As far as I know, because uh, they're doing Nashville Monday and Tuesday right after the pay per view, I am not going to be at the TV tapings, which. You know, it's 25 minutes from where I live currently. 
Uh, I'm okay with that because I know that there's an opportunity for me down the road. So even if it's not in my backyard, there's an opportunity for me to do more stuff with NWA, probably on a bigger scale, like a bigger stage or whatever. So, you know, missing some TV tapings, you know, if it means three or four months down the line, I go work one of their big pay-per-views. That's a fair trade-off for me. What is the, um, what are some of the things you wish that everyone understood about your job? Um, it, it's, it's difficult because like, there's a part of me that wants to grab some of the fans that are shouting this just terrible things. It's like, Hey, I have no control over that. Please don't blame me for that. Um, it, it's a difficult position for us in kayfabe and non-kayfabe. And I, and I mean that as we are the third person in the ring. We're not supposed to be visible unless we're needed. Um, unfortunately for me, I have this giant beacon that I wear called glasses that draws attention to me pretty easily. Um, but, you know, we're not supposed to be seen or anything until we absolutely have to be seen. And sometimes we have to do things that it's like, man, it's, crowd's not going to like this and then we have to do it and it's the fan reactions it's like that's not the reaction that we were hoping for and it kind of what bothers me that sometimes we get unnecessary heat um and i mean that from i i've been in matches where uh heels have drawn the baby face guy in like five or six times so now the crowd's not booing the bad guys for doing something and they're not cheering the good guys on they're now yelling at me and every bit of focus is off of the match and it's frustrating because it makes it harder to focus to do your job when you get the occasional oh riff you missed that it's like that's one thing but when the entire crowd has directed their anger at you it's frustrating and it's disheartening um, I wish people understood why we do some of the things that we do. Um, there's a big critical, there was a big critical, uh, Ballyhoo several months ago about referees holding ladders during ladder matches or for dangerous spots. So there's, there's two ways to look at this in, in the kayfabe realm, um, while we don't agree with what you're about to do as officials, we're going to do whatever we can to keep you safe while you do something stupid so you don't kill yourself. That's right. the thing. The referees is like, I may not agree with you jumping off of this ladder, but if you're going to do it, hold it. So you can do the move that you want to do and you don't go ass over tea kettle and end up on botchamania. You know, we're there, we're there for the wrestler's protection. I have a, a, not an extensive amount of medical training. I have, I've had EMR certification, the, you know, general first aid, CPR, uh, EMR certification, which is just one step below being an EMT. So it's also, you know, we're not just the referee. We're also the medical personnel. Like, if I'm stopping a match because somebody's hurt, it's not like, oh, he's, like, hyperextended his elbow. It's, no, something's really, really wrong. This is, it's not safe for you to continue. And you guys have to understand, like, no, let me get blamed for this because I don't want this person to have to have surgery and miss nine months of wrestling and payoffs and all that other stuff. Be mad at me because I made the decision to save him from doing something stupid. Right. Uh, you know, fans need to understand that, like, you know, that the role of a referee is not just the guy who counts one, two, three. We're the conductor for the orchestra. We are, you know, uh, we are the captain. 
directing his troops into battle. Like we're we're helping orchestrate you, all the chaos that's going on. You set the pace of the match. Yes. Yeah, you're the pulse um, of the match. I mean, without you, you know. Right. And and so that's that's another little caveat about how I am as an official. And it, it doesn't really gel with some companies and some philosophies about how a referee should act. Um, my my younger self, I was very over the top, very over dramatic. I overdid stuff just, you know, to be dramatic. And I would do that on the first match as well as the last match. And I've had to learn, especially like working GCW, like you have to pace yourself. Uh, the referee should match his energy with the wrestlers so if they're starting kind of like a, a feeling out process the referee's not going to be in there like all oh, directly in their face he's going to be like okay let me i'm watching this from afar then as the business starts to pick up you're going to see a little bit more body language a little bit more aggressive with the counts um the pinfalls my counts are synonymous for sounding like howitzers going off um there's a reason why i've had shoulder surgery um think Mike Kyoto, but like times 10 on how hard I would hit the mat. And I would try to give that energy to the wrestlers of like, if they're going to go out there and bust their asses, I need to go out there and at least bust my ass too. If the referee is bored watching a match, why should the fans care? Um, and I can hear a certain voice in my head. Uh, if you believe it, they believe it. So if the referee believes in the action that's going on, it's going to make the fans believe it as well. And, uh, you know, we we, we kind of help set the pace. Um, if you've seen any footage of me do, uh, for certain matches, here's a big dramatic thing, and then you'll see me jump over the wrestlers and count big dramatic count you know and i'll always ask like hey how do you want me to react how do you want my pacing to be with your match so i don't overshadow them what are the most memorable memorable matches that you officiated Ooh, i have to dig in the rolodex for some of those um I mean, obviously, getting to do a Ring of Honor World Championship match. Like, it's it's not like it was the TV title or anything else. It was the real Ring of Honor World Championship that Danielson, um, McGinnis, Mojo. Yeah, everybody held that title. And here I'm doing it in Hartsell, Alabama, in front of, like, 200 people. Um so that's a memorable thing to me that I, I got to be a part of that type of history. Um, I always chuckle with like wrestling promotion saying like, oh, we had this nice world championship. I'm like, is it a world title? Did your company go overseas and did your champion defend it overseas? So I laugh when people say they have world titles and when GCW was in Nashville last year, I refereed my first legitimate world title match in front of my hometown. Uh, I did Blake Christian versus John Moxley, and Mox was the AEW champion at the time. So, you know, it, I'm standing there holding the GCW world title with the AEW champion and this little ginger shithead that I've been working with since, you know, 16 in, in Jackson, Tennessee, because I've known Blake Christian for years. You know, that's a memorable thing to me. Um, I got to referee on the very last night of King of Trios for Chikara in 2019, which officially stands as the last King of Trios that's ever happened. So I have, that's kind of a memorable, memorable experience. Um, I was part of GCW's Fight Forever, the 24-hour wrestling pay-per-view. Legitimately, we were on the air for 24 hours, and it was the most brutal 24 hours. Because we were in a venue that had no heat, no insulation, and outside wow. was negative 13. Because we were in wow. Philadelphia in February. It was 
every bit of suck uh, for temperatures. But it was such a unique experience that uh, will never be done again, hopefully. <laughs> uh, and I'm happy that I got to be a part of that. Um, I'm really trying to think. Like I, I've done some memorable matches, but um, those are the more recent ones. Um, but just because I, I think because they're more fresh in my mind, and they've not been knocked out of me. So they're still they're still kicking around in there. So what advice would you give to anyone trying to break in the business as a referee? Don't. Okay. That's good. Good advice. Well, All right. Thanks. That's <laughs> I was gonna try. <laughs> no, so because uh, I have been asked this before about breaking into pro wrestling as a referee. Do your research. Find a reputable wrestling school. Do not find some guy who says he's going to train you to be a pro wrestler. Uh, go to a reputable wrestling school. Um, that is the best place to start because they, they have everything set up to train everybody from a ring announcer to a manager to commentary to referee to, you know, it, they, they teach you the ins and outs of what you need to know. The thing about going to a wrestling school to learn to be a referee is you're going to have this constant cycle of fresh things to do. You're obviously going to get in there and train with the wrestlers. Uh, referees should know to a degree how to bump and need to understand the basics of pro wrestling. And I don't mean that for a wrestler versus or referee, whatever kind of match. Referees need to know how wrestlers are going to take moves, you know, being thrown from the ropes, how they're going to get picked up and slammed, because you need to know where you need to be positioned. So if you know they're getting ready to take this big move, you don't want to be standing in this corner and then get kicked in the face. Because you know how that move's going to go and you know how they're going to get up from it, you can anticipate your next move and moving around the ring. You should always be moving away from everybody, trying to stay out of the action. So learning and understanding the dynamics of a pro wrestling match help make you a better referee. Um, but obviously go to a wrestling school and it, it's great because you're going to have all these practice matches. So even if you go in and you suck, the you know, sucking is the first step to being good. You know, you got to suck to get good and go in there, be the drizzling shits. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. Work on it. And then you're in an environment that's going to help you grow. And hopefully it's a good environment. It's a positive environment. And from there, you'll eventually get to, you'll get put on a pre-show or you get to do one or two matches on a show, and then you start building your way up. You don't get, you don't just show up to a wrestling show. Hey, you know, I think I can count to three. I got my own striped shirt. That's not how you get in. That's how you used to get into pro wrestling as a referee, but not now. If if professional wrestling never existed, what would you be doing? Uh. I probably would have put more focus on learning how to play guitar and bass better than how I play it now. Uh, I feel like I'd be pursuing music a, a little bit more. Um, I was not, I was too aloof in school and didn't focus on my subjects to, uh, to be an astronaut like I really wanted to be. Um, closest thing that i get to being an astronaut is being friends with them so you know it's good enough uh, career wise i think i would have tried to find a way to make money with music um anybody that follows my social media will probably see that a lot of the stuff that i do talk about nowadays is music related um that is like the biggest probably probably one of the the, the second biggest influence in my life is just music five years from now where do you see yourself uh <laughs> well my body willing 
I would still be, I would hope. Um, I don't have many goals left in pro wrestling. Uh, I have a few silly ones left. And, you know, I, I think in five years, I'd like to be able to tick a few more of those boxes. Um, you know, it, it, if I'm able to work with NWA, which is a great company that's not going to put wear and tear on me, stress me out, I think, you know, my five-year plan is like I could still be doing wrestling. Uh, so I, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. But, you know, we'll see. So the uh, week in two weekends, two weeks from now, when NWA is doing their NWA seventy-five, are you? Do you have a gig anyway? Are you just going to be at home during that time, or do you have at least have a show to do? Or no, I will more than likely be home. Uh, I have to look to see um, if I have one of our Tennessee Ghostbuster events that I need to do because I've got a few of those coming up, and. I got to make sure it's not the, because if it's not NWA weekend, then I'll be sitting at home watching it on fight. But then again, I may be doing a Ghostbuster event and I'll be out with our crew. So, What events do you have coming up? Uh, the 19th, which is just a couple days from now, I am in Bristol, Tennessee for Imperial Pro Wrestling, uh, debuting with that company. Uh, they needed a referee and I reached out and I fit the criteria, uh, TV experience, clean and has teeth. That was the, that was the, that was the criteria. Like, make sure you have teeth, you're clean and you have TV experience. I'm like, well, I got all those. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of places would be like, make sure you're clean shaven, but just clean in general. I think it's just kind of a funny tongue-in-cheek joke, but something tells me that they have had a run of guys showing up with, like, unkempt hair, tobacco spit on their referee shirt, wearing black blue jeans and tennis shoes uh, to referee, which I've seen those on shows. It's like it's the promoters, cousins, brothers, uncles, neighbor that they got to come do the show or whatever. Why would people do that? Why don't you just say, hey, people will be watching me. Maybe I should be like proper. You know, I always have a clean shirt, use a little deodorant. Yeah. You you would think, but I have worked for conventions long enough to know that uh, you can give people the resources, they just won't take it. <laughs> the wor- the worst thing is like day two of working for a convention and you walk through the halls and you're like, I forgot what fresh air smells like. <laughs> Jeez. So where can people find you on social media? Uh Jesse the Ref. That is my handle across uh, personal Facebook. Uh referee Jesse Field is my professional page on Facebook, then Twitter, Instagram threads uh it's all jesse the ref um i got i made sure to lock down that handle as soon as like i every social media i've locked that handle down so that's pretty much my handle across uh everything right now i haven't checked out threads yet is it worth checking out uh it's it was good for about a week uh when everybody made the mass exodus from twitter again uh, but it seems like everybody's making their way back to Twitter, X, whatever it's called at this point. Um, yeah. I kind of keep threads going because um, on the off chance that there is that that kind of social media exodus again, I've, I've kind of already got that platform there. Um, so, you know, it, but I primarily, I primarily switch between Twitter, Instagram. Um, usually when I make posts, I do it, all, all of them in a line. So, like, what you see on Facebook is what you're going to get on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Jason, do you have any, or Scotty, whatever the hell you call yourself these days, do you have any final questions or thoughts? 
Hey, it's uh, it's been great talking to you. I'm glad, you know, you, it sounds like you've had a very, very long career, a lot of experience. You've got to, got to see and do a lot of different things. Um, hope, uh, hope you get to spend more time working for NWA. Um, I'm hoping that they come back down to Atlanta because uh, that's, that's where I'm out of. I'm uh, making Georgia. So I made a lot of their Atlanta shows and then they went elsewhere. But if you ever make it down this way, I'll track you down. And uh, Actually, I don't think it's been announced yet, but I believe for GCW, we're returning to center stage in November. Oh, okay. All um, right. I, ha I have to look at the date because um, I think it's a Saturday because they're going to be in St. Louis the night before. And if yeah. memory serves me correctly from how my dates line up, I will be in Jeffersonville, Indiana on November 3rd, Friday for Paradigm. Yeah. And then November 4th will be, Saturday, November 4th will be Atlanta. So that means I'm going to have to do a mar two marathon TV tapings, sleep for a few hours, Ugh. Drive from Jeffersonville, come through Nashville, run home, and then go to Atlanta. Ugh. All right. Well, uh, all, all while driving the uh, the the Ghostbusters Ecto One. <laughs> <laughs> well, look 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 forward to seeing you there. Then, I, I, if they're coming, I'll, I'll be there. I won't be. At least my car will not be hard to find. <laughs> Hey, the Echo One's classic. I don't care what anyone says. Well, so the interesting thing with, with how I've done mine, uh, with our group, we have five cars, and there are everyday drivers. And our chief, the, per you know, the person who's in charge of our Ghostbuster group, has a Kia Soul like I do. And so when I got my Kia Soul and it was white, he said, all right, you got a white car. It's a Kia you going to do the Ecto? And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. And uh, I've got the roof rack, the lights, the siren. <laughs> I've got the decals now. Near, near, near. Yeah, well, it, like I said, I uh, – our referee crew take pictures with it when we did GCW versus New South uh, just a few months ago. So there, there's there's pictures of that on social media with the ref crew in front of uh, the uh, my Ecto 1A. Um and of course, there are the, everybody's seen pictures of me at conventions with the suit. Uh, I've kind of taken to where I'll wear a referee shirt under my gear now because everybody kind of knows me as that. So I, I've been wearing the uh, the NWA shirt underneath so that way at least to get some some wear time uh, just as the kind of like combination of the pro wrestling and Ghostbusters. I appreciate you coming on the show and toughing out through the technical difficulties. Thank you very much. I, I like I said, I, I wish I wish we I just done this for my phone from get go. <laughs> it's all good, man. I appreciate you coming on and tell, talking about your experiences as a ref. Thank you very much, and I'll let you know when the next referee summit is. Oh, perfect. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you for watching. It's killing the business worldwide, and we are all out.